Welcome to today's episode of the Sports and Entertainment Podcast on Market Scale. I'm your host, Taylor Standridge, and we're talking with someone that truly has an exciting job at an exciting organization. We're talking with Logan Dickinson, who is the Corporate Partnership Activation Specialist for the Boston Celtics, and we're really excited to have her on the show. Logan, it's a real pleasure to talk with you. Of course. Thanks for having me. So with you being in the corporate partnership department of the Boston Celtics, can you kind of tell us what that looks like on a daily basis for you? Like, what do you work on? Yeah, of course. Um, So I think the common theme in sports, obviously, is no day is the same, which is part of the reason I love working in the industry. Um, For me, I'm on the specifically on the activation team. So once the corporate partner signs the contract, it's turned over to my department to help activate to make sure all their social media posts are happening, their suites are all set, their tickets um, pretty much anything and everything that's written into that contract and most likely going above and beyond that contract gets fulfilled. Um, the corporate partnerships department is a little unique here at the Celtics because um, our community engagement group is actually um, under the corporate partnerships umbrella. So our big focus as an organization is obviously making an impact in the community. So a lot of our community programs, we have over 35 sponsored community programs. So we work hand in hand a lot of times too with the community engagement team. Um, to help fulfill those community programs as well. Well, that's pretty cool. I love that you guys are so plugged into the the area and the community around you guys. So yeah. have you have you always wanted to do sports or have you has sports been kind of a late decision? <laughs> um, it's funny you should ask that. So I actually graduated from the University of Virginia in 2016. Um, and I originally went to school for pre-med and I was all in. I took you know, chemistry and physics and everything else. And I was, that's what I was going to do. Um, and I survived the first year. And then my second year, I had gotten involved with um, the student section at UVA. I know right now we're ranked number one, but back when I was a student, um, this wasn't quite, our ranking wasn't quite as high. Um, so the student section was just taking off. And one of the kids on the team, actually, I, I'd known since the first grade. So I always went to games to support him and ended up sitting behind the guys and girls that made up the student section um, committee. And so I ended up getting involved with that. And as time, as the classic pre-med story always goes, um, I found that I liked working in sports and kind of doing all the marketing. And to be honest, I didn't really know there was a career behind it um, until I went to school and kind of started working with these people that work for the UVA athletic department. Um, so I actually, my second semester of my second year of college, I had an orgo exam the night before um, our big game against Maryland before they left the ACC to go to the Big Ten. And I looked at one of my best friends in the student section and I said, if we win this game, I'm going home and withdrawing from Ergo and chasing the dream of working in sports. And obviously we won that game. Um, so from there, I literally went home, withdrew from Ergo, changed my major, um, started working for the athletic department, and then have worked for the Kansas City Chiefs, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Washington Nationals before joining the uh, Celtics back in November. Well, it's so crazy how much a decision like that can transform the rest of your life. So, um, working for all those comp- uh, working for all those teams, um, what has it been like to be with all these different franchises? I'm sure like it's a different atmosphere wherever you yeah. go. Um, I mean, for me, I think it's been like it's kind of one of those things where everything's happened so fast. So literally. I finished with uh, the Chiefs, and it's crazy to me that it's been so long since I've worked for the Chiefs at this point. But basically, about a year ago in January, I finished with the when their 2016-2017 season. We played the playoff game against Pittsburgh Steelers on a Sunday night. I drove home. What well, was Martin Luther King Day? Started with the Hawks the next day, and kind of have jumped from organization to organization. But I think for me, I've been able to make so many great connections, and also see so many different organizations, and see kind of how they operate from the inside and 
kind of take some feedback on how I do my job on a day-to-day basis with the Celtics because I've seen what works in a smaller Midwestern market and I've seen what also works in a Southern um, larger market and also across organizations and leagues, to be honest, because how you activate something in football is very different from how you activate something in the NBA and the MLB. Um, the MLB, when you have 81 home games, you have a lot more creative freedom to do a lot more things uh, because you are literally there for 15 days sometimes in a row, whereas in the NFL, you are guaranteed 10 home games. Um, so you have to make sure that you execute those assets immediately and correctly, and you don't have as much leeway, I guess, unless you are. Uh, making the playoffs and that's not a guarantee in that league anymore. <laughs> that's very interesting. Uh, I wanted to ask you specifically since you work in the NBA, I know that yeah. they're starting this uh NBA esports league. I wanted to kind of see are. what you I wanted to see what you thought about that because uh the uh, the Olympics uh are happening right now and I think Time magazine just uh released an article saying that, you know, e like e gaming might even be a, an Olympic sport in the future. So this is obviously um growing immensely what do you think about that i think it's awesome um i think it's something that you know when you think about especially 2k and um so many people especially i know growing up in school um even in college and high school they would always play the game and it's such a there's a social aspect to it like i remember a lot of the guys that lived in the dorms that when i was there they would like all be in one room or in the common room with playing you know 2k or these other various games to be honest i don't know much about any other games but 2k just working in the nba um but i think it's going to be a really cool um way to just get more fans involved um because i think sometimes people that are really into gaming might not also come to games but it's a way to kind of bring all of those fan bases together um, I mean, who doesn't love watching more basketball, I think. Um, for us, the Celtics, we actually are part of the inaugural 2K League. So we will have a team Celtics gaming that will launch um, with a few months um, officially with the NBA. Um, and for us, the, one of the reasons that we're joining is our ownership group, especially um, is really into esports and it kind of has their pulse on it and thinks it's a really untapped potential and is looking forward to being part of that group. So I don't know if you can tell us or not, and feel free to decline, <laughs> but can you kind of give us a sneak peek of what uh, NBA e-gaming is going to look like? To be honest, I don't know too much about it. Um, we have a managing director, I guess, in terms of like what it's going to look like. We did release our logo along with the other NBA teams, um, and it does have a very different feel from kind of our traditional logo. Um, so we're waiting, to be honest, until right now, I believe you can still play to enter to win into the draft. And then once the draft thing, once the draft happens, a lot more stuff will come out publicly about kind of how it's going to look like. But I mean, from a sponsorship standpoint, teams have already started selling certain assets like Hot Pockets is going to have the jersey patch for Cleveland Cavaliers esports team and different things like that. So there are some moving pieces. Um, we're just waiting for a couple more months before we make those big announcements. I'll keep you on your edge. I'll keep you on the edge of your seat on that one. Well, that's so cool. I'm really excited to see that. And I know a lot of people right now, just personal friends that are very excited to just kind of see what that's like and to be able to join that because you're right. It connects every community together. No matter where you're from, no matter what team you're rooting for, uh, it's going to bring everyone together. So I'm definitely excited about that. Looking at the future, yeah. um, I know that a lot of people, uh, the popularity of streaming and the popularity mm -hmm. of um, cutting the cable cord uh, right. seems to be it, it's it's a focus for many. And I, I wanted to ask you from your standpoint, is this an obstacle or is it more of an opportunity for exclusive content for the Celtics? I think it's a little bit more of an opportunity. I mean, it's definitely an obstacle in terms of how are you going to get that content to your fans. But I think for us in across the league and across the sports industry as well, a lot of it is just 
being able, and even for me, like I want access real time and I want it then and I want it now. Um, so being able to stream from your phone, offering exclusive content through the app, we've actually partnered up this year and through our app now you can play certain games in the arena through the app. So we have a Dunkin' Donuts cup shuffle where we'll do a live hit kind of announcing to fans how we're going to start playing and when it's going to play a little bit before. And then you'll get a push notification if you're in the arena and you've opted into those to um, actually log into the app and play. And if you select the winning cup, then a coupon code pops up right on your phone. Um, and so for us, it's a really great way to engage more people than just that one lucky fan that gets to participate in a, uh, in a promotion. Um, so I think it's been really cool. And I think for it's an ongoing battle, I think, just in terms of how to make sure that fans have access to that content and continue to watch that content. Um, I know NFL viewership was a big kind of topic over this offseason and during the season for various reasons. Um, but I think for me, like one personal story I can attest to is I actually interviewed here in Boston um, on a Thursday in October, and I was able to stream Thursday night football from the airport um, through Amazon Prime, which I just thought was so cool at the time that I was listening to the same broadcast that my mom was sitting at home watching. Um, and that was just, I logged in through my Amazon Prime account. And I mean, if you think about how many people have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and kind of those platforms, I think it's going to be more of an opportunity. I think it's just a matter of figuring out how to maximize those relationships and the possibilities within the technology. But going off of that, you also have to make sure that your venue can accommodate these technology changes. So whether that's making sure you have the most Wi-Fi hotspots and you have the most up-to-date Wi-Fi. I know when the Atlanta um, Falcons opened Mercedes-Benz Stadium, they, I believe there was some like crazy stat that you could download the entire series or seasons of Game of Thrones in something like six to eight minutes, which, I mean, that's remarkably fast. And so trying to keep up with that arms race of making sure that you have all of this for your fans, but also that your arena or your stadium can accommodate that. Um, I don't know, you could probably attest to Wi-Fi tends to get a little tougher when you have 20,000 people in one place all trying to access and stream. But if you can't have them access and stream, you're going to get a lot of customer service complaints, one, and then you're also going to lose out on a lot of opportunity to engage with those fans. And definitely did not think about that. It's very fascinating to think that all this comes into play when you're thinking about the future, not not just uh, Wi-Fi capabilities, but you know, making sure that you can accommodate charging stations. I mean, it's it's some serious right. stuff. And you're absolutely right. If you if you're not able to accommodate those things, because every other state, uh, every other venue is doing it, you're going to run right. into a lot of complaints. So uh, I really thank you so much, Logan, for joining the show. Before we before we go, do you have like a blog or a Twitter or social media that we can? send our listeners to to kind of follow what you're doing with the Celtics? Yeah, so I'm actually working, that's kind of one of my off-season projects and a little bit of an off-season off season project more so, a blog. But my Twitter account is just at Logan Dickinson. Um, and I generally try and post a lot of my behind-the-scenes stuff there. Those are my Twitter and Instagram followers. So that's where you can find me. That's so cool. You can find out all the behind-the-scenes content with the Boston Celtics. And if you're a Celtics fan, this is just the coolest thing ever to hear. And so, Logan, I really just appreciate everything that you've said and just kind of expounding more on the industry about kind of the evolution of streaming and also the importance of accommodating these technological changes within the venues. Just kind of seeing how you got into the world of sports. It's been fascinating to hear. Of course, not a problem. Thanks so much for having me. And of course, you can go to marketscale.com and follow everything that we're doing there on the Sports and Entertainment tab. Click that and we've got more podcasts for you as well as blogs and news minutes just highlighting some of the latest industry updates. And until then, I'm your host, Dalish Dandridge. We'll see you next time. <laughs>